welcome to the Deepers Creepers podcast, where we like to get high and talk about horror movies. Thanks for tuning in this week. I'm Casey, and this week we have a very special guest with us. Hi, my name is Kelsey. And I'm Jess. And today we're going to be covering the controversial, um, ugh, for lack of a better term, grotesque movie, Cannibal Holocaust. That is, if we make it out alive. <laughs> okay, so uh, like Jess said, this week we are talking about Cannibal Holocaust. Um, I, (laughs) I personally had seen it once, um, I think like late last year for the first time and thought to myself, well, I never need to see that again. Um, but here we are because it does deserve to be covered. It is, um, a very important horror movie for the genre. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I also think that it was crazy that Kelsey and I were both saying that We'd remember, like, hearing so many things about it, and, like, I know I'd seen so many clips of it, and, you know, I've read a lot of articles about, um, you know, the most fucked up movies ever made or things of that nature, and I've been looking into these things since I was honestly a late teenager, so that's something that I I thought I'd seen so many, like, scenes from it that I'm like, oh, I've totally seen it, but then when I sat down and watched it, I was like, I have not seen this movie in its entirety, and it was... It was it was crazy, but I mean, what do you what would you like to add to that? I agree. I think I heard about it more than I actually watched it. This was definitely the first time I watched it all the way through. Watched it a couple of times. It was a little rough, but uh, paid attention. And um, this is definitely um, cannibal holocaust walked so the Blair Witch could run. Absolutely. Absolutely. Found footage and mockumentary is one of my favorite genres of horror. So even though it is a little rough to watch, I agree that it is an important movie to talk about. Definitely. Oh, yeah. It definitely paved the way for Blair Witch, and Blair Witch paved the way for everything that came after. I mean, Paranormal Activity, Blair Witch 2, which I don't know if anyone. Y'all have seen. I've absolutely seen that. <laughs> I love it because of how batshit crazy and stupid it is. Yes. And I really liked the new Blair Witch, too. Yeah. Um, have either of you seen The Green Inferno? Um, yes. Eli Roth's. So part of the reason that I had not seen this movie yet is because I saw The Green Inferno several years ago and I've watched it over and over again. I actually I genuinely love that movie. It is not hard to watch. It is cannibal torture gore without the animal cruelty and without any sexual assault and that makes such a difference to me i am also a big eli roth fan so sue me whatever um just i think an important thing on that note is um i'd like to probably just put a trigger warning right here for you guys that there will be i mean this movie this entire movie is mentions of animal abuse animal cruelty sexual assault the things of that nature in a brutal way. So if that's not something that you um, are in a good place to handle right now, totally fine. Um, Maybe catch us next week for our next video. It won't be quite as intense as this one. And we definitely will not be upset if you guys want to take a step back from this video. But I just wanted to go ahead and throw that in there. Absolutely. And this can sometimes be an easier way to approach a movie like that rather than see it. I know a lot of people um, tend to listen to things about movies like this so they can kind of experience it without having to actually visualize and watch these poor actors who, you know, even, you know, in a, in a movie, I've, I've seen other rape revenge movies. They're fine. And I know the actors were safe. I can't say that for this movie. So that makes it worse. Um, the director was Ruggiero Diodato. Um, I'm sure I butchered that name, but he sucks. Um, (laughs) Uh, and then written by Gio Franco Clarici, and I did not recognize any of the other titles that they had worked on. Um, it must just be Italian movies that I don't know because they're both Italian. Uh, but they wanted to shoot the movie in English to get a wider audience, which makes sense. Um, I noticed the dubbing in my movie. I watched it on Shudder because I love Shudder. Me too. Um, and the dubbing was terrible. 
absolutely terrible. Um, but I, I do so love too. that Shudder starts with the little um, notice at the beginning. Um, yeah, like, hey, this is not easy to watch. Like, polite warning. Yeah, for this the squeamish. Been censored or, you know, um, banned in a lot of places, um, which we'll talk about that. Uh, we did mention the three of us beforehand that Harold Monroe, the professor, who is played by Robert Kerman. I always like to shout out, you know, main actors and people who worked on the movie. Um, he's kind of a babe. Total babe. I loved Total him. Babe. Strong mustache. Yes. Strong mustache. Only character I liked. Yes. Only character. Really the only redeeming character in the film. Yeah. Absolutely. He, he really tries and, uh, he goes through so much just to, and you know, he wants to do it for the sake of, I think at first to save the people and then. You know, wants to save it for the sake of media and science and, you know, research of that kind of thing. But once he sees what it is, he thinks, nah, I'm good. Yeah. Um, so more kind of a, about the background of it. Uh, it was produced because uh, Diodato, um, there was this trend of Italian exploitation films that came from coverage of Red Brigades, which I did not know about this, but I did research it a little. Um, they're just a very violent Marxist-Leninist group uh, that was based in Italy that did a lot of really violent things um, in the sake of their, you know, what they believed in, whatever. Um, and a lot of the coverage that the director was seeing at that time, he was convinced was staged and faked. And so obviously that's where a lot of the inspiration for this movie came from, um, about how media is not what... You know, what we see on the media is not what actually happened. Right. And I do think that that is an important topic. I think that is an interesting topic to discuss within a movie, but he didn't go about it in a very good way. Um, so that obviously became a huge part of the film. Um, maybe I'm just too sensitive, but I, I know a lot of people do feel this way. Um that it just, it's over the top and you can do, you can say those same things in a movie without doing everything that he did, including the realistic, you know, the abuse of the cast and the real life animal cruelty that happened on set. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as Kelsey noted, uh, this definitely was something that paved the way for this huge explosion of found footage films, which I also love. I love all the paranormal activity movies. Me too. Um, yeah. So, um, production began, uh, because Diodato saw all these things about, um, you know, the red brigade or whatever. And then somebody contacted him about doing a, a film similar to his previous film, which was last cannibal world. I looked up, the plot of this movie it's just all the awful things it's you know it's very similar to this film and it's just like can you not do anything is that who hurt you oh my god yeah <laughs> i mean do you just hate all people because his other movie is very much about you know because i think a big theme of this film is who are the real savages yeah you who know, are the real cannibals who's civilized versus not civilized who are the real cannibals yeah that's i mean that's a line in the film yeah and that's basically what the first film explores too and i'm just like so you're saying you hate people i mean that's fine but whatever it's a way of going about it you know <laughs> Yeah, and I think the shock value at the time with a lot of those exploitation films, like that was the point. You're coming out of a post, like, anti-communist society. Italy is notoriously a very Catholic country. It's coming from, uh, you know, a place of censorship. So the fact that you can have the freedom to push the limits mm -hmm. and pushing the limits was the point. Yeah. And it definitely wasn't sensitive, you know, and it was going about it in a very grotesque way, but in the same way, it was kind of making that statement of I can, and a lot of movies from the seventies were like that, like last house on the left. And, mm -hmm. and it's just like, how far can we take it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that is the point. And I think that's what makes it so important is that, you know, and a lot of people were pushing the limit and he just went even further. And yeah, obviously he could have done some things differently, but 
That's what makes it such a controversial and talked about and analyzed film. Um, we do want to shout out the actors, um, just in general, because that's this is a hard role to do. Um, I know the director was a straight up piece of shit, and I do not feel bad saying that. Uh, he, a lot of the, or all of, if not most of the um, native actors, especially the extras, were not paid or were paid a lot less than they were supposed to. Um, the female actress who plays Faye, um, like, vehemently did not want to be topless during uh, the sex scene with her and the other actor. I think it's Alan that she has sex with. Yeah. Um, and the director basically took her to the side and yelled at her until she just said yes. And, um, you know, I know that that kind of shit happens. But then, and like, I, force them to go into hiding for a year yeah, to and try to make people believe this movie was real. Like, the isolation that they probably felt after going through filming this mm-hmm. trauma. And, like, like I mean, it gets to a point where you have to feel like you're, you're really in that situation. You're really scared for your life. Like, yeah. so they have this PTSD coming out of filming this movie. Mm-hmm. Then they're stuck in isolation. Like, could you imagine... Also, you, the point of, like, being an actor and getting into a movie is to, like, further your career. And then all of a sudden your career is stalled for a year because of what this director wants to do. And, I mean, that whole concept kind of backfired on him because, like, in Italy he was charged with obscenity. Also, they attempted to charge him with murder and he had to actually bring the actors out of hiding to prove that they were still alive (laughs) and no one actually died. So, uh, I think they read, I read that they went on like a talk show to like talk about it. And like, so those charges were dropped. That's, I mean, that also says something to how, and I mean, I'll give credit where credit's due because the realism of this found footage is incredible. I mean, uh, it just, the, the shaky cam, you know, just the way it's shot feels so realistic and so, um, just so genuine that you really almost want to believe, like, yeah, I could kind of believe someone found this footage in, you know, in the Amazon. Um, that, that I, I want to believe people are that terrible. I fucking hated them. I but, literally felt like if I saw those actors in real life, I would hate them. Right. Just because of, like... How the movie made me feel. I was like, these are the worst people ever. Every single one of them. A lot of them were very uncomfortable on set. A lot of them did not want to do what they did. Uh, The director was apparently very manipulative, uh, very controlling. Um, Just, you know, on set, kind of... And I know a lot of actors, I know this happens a lot, where they go in thinking, I'm definitely not going to do this scene. We're going to get to it and we're going to talk about it. It's going to be fine. But a lot of those people are very manipulative and can, you know, kind of control the situation to get what they want. And this guy did a lot. I mean, uh, Robert Kerman, who we all have a crush on now, uh, walked off set after the turtle part, after the turtle scene, because he was so upset. Yeah. Um, I also think it's kind of a pl- like a clever plot device to have that one moral character saying this isn't right this isn't right the whole time but then that gives you the artistic freedom to show all of the horrors anything that you want as long as you have one character saying this is not right this is bad because at least we have someone to ground us exactly i do want to say one other little funny thing that i did read oh yeah for sure i read it on the wikipedia article article um there was a scene that was cut from the movie where uh, one of the... So there are two uh, fighting tribes, the Yanamomo Yana and the Shatari, and, um, or Shamatari. They, one of them gets their arm cut off, and then they are thrown into a river to be eaten by piranha. But, quote, the piranha were hard to control. Oh my god. <laughs> How do you control... <laughs> You can't train a fish. No shit. No shit they were hard to control. Like, so they cut that out of the film. No, I, uh, no, I can't believe that. I can't believe it. (laughs) So yeah, we get to, basically the start of the film is us being, um, introduced to our filmmakers. Um, we have Alan Yates, Faye Daniels, Jack Anders, and Mark Tommaso. 
And they're the worst fucking people. And I'll just get to keep saying that the entire time. But um, Alan and Faye are dating. Jack is a horny piece of shit. And Mark, I hate him too, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> I sound so sassy. I hate them all. But yeah, and it's been um, two months since they've been seen, right? Yeah, basically the anthropology guy, who is the babe with the mustache, uh, <laughs> is sent to find this this film crew and he has a guide he's set out to find them no one has seen or heard from them and he encounters uh the tribe that they call the tree people befriends them which the scene where he befriended that tribe cracked me up because he gets full-on buck naked and like runs into the river with all these (laughs) girls and if you look closely one of the like indigenous people like she just totally grabs his wiener just like grabs it i saw that i was like what (laughs) um, so through these people they he ends up finding the location he does not find the people but he finds their film that they left behind. Yes. And so when he first finds, so the first tribe he finds is the Yakumo, um, who are not the super violent tribe, but they're still, you know, an indigenous tribe. When they, when they first, so after, I think it's Miguel that has to like stand there naked or whoever or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, after they finally are entered into the, um, little village, you notice a bunch of the women start to push them out. The white men, they see the white men and they immediately are like, no, 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 no. You are not allowed in here. Yeah. And then there's that tribe, what I assume is a tribe elder. And if we get any terms wrong, anything like that, we are not trying to be offensive in any sort of way. And we this, may get some things wrong, but yes. we are just not and this, educated this on it. this movie is also not it's respectful or kind to the all. indigenous people. So we do not get a lot of their backstory. Yes. We do not get a lot of... Any information that's any incorrect information is, them. that's all, that's all the director. Yeah. Um, but anyway, some tribal elder or something is um, kind of putting on a show of trying to tell them about something that happened that we see this, like, um, what looks like the remnants of a burned building. And we don't know what happened yet, but he's kind of trying to explain to them. And it's just so emotional. Like we don't know what happened, but it's very raw. It reminds me of Midsommar, where they're all, like, screaming together. And, like, it, it really brought me back to that moment where I felt that emotion. Like, he was grieving, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um... Uh, one thing I'll say is the score is pretty incredible for this movie. Um, the, like, pan flutes, just very beautiful and sometimes very eerie drums and music. Yeah. That, um, I think it's scored very, very well. Um, at least everything in the movie is taken seriously. At least none of this is really, or most of it is not for a joke. Yeah, it's not really campy. Not taken very well, or, you know, not handled very well. I think the the thing that bothered me, the first thing, the muskrat being killed yes that's uh, where i even wrote that i oh i gagged yeah they're the the screams of this tiny little muskrat are i had to look away awful they're very visceral visceral and it is real as we have stated a lot of these deaths are real yeah this was filmed in 1980 italian law is is different it was different then it is different now our laws are different now, but the all you know, a lot of the animal deaths that you see on screen, animals were actually killed. Now, when you watch a horror movie, there's always that disclaimer in the credits: no animals were actually hurt in the film of this movie, and that was definitely not the case in this no, film. No, no, and this I can't say for sure, but this may have been part of the reason that they started making those rules and laws. I think it was, which is very important. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. because. You can't do that. You cannot torture living animals. As I'm sure we've already kind of led, this is not a fun watch, but one part that did really make me laugh is, so they have um, one of the tribe... <laughs> Hold on, shut the fuck up. The wiener grab made me laugh, so the for wiener, sure. See? Okay, well, they have, Fine, one of, they have one of the tribe guys, like, on a leash, basically, and they're trying to get him to lead him to the tribe, <laughs> and they coke. take some coke, and he just blows it into his face, and he says, this will make him very happy, I and blows the coke into like, his face. I was like, what the fuck? Well, I was like, same. I mean, this one yeah. makes him very happy. I'm like, well, yeah. But I, what happened next did not make me happy. Well, no, it wasn't great, but I'm just saying that part made me laugh. Okay, yeah. I, I had I a brief it. moment of joy and then immediately went into, cool, I don't, why am I watching this? Yeah. 
That I was, that was funny. I'll give you that. See, some, some parts are a little bit, um, I did like in this film how they tore, like they were, you, the professor was watching the found footage in real time, describing it to this television station that's going to make this film. So you did get breaks, like you got breaks, you saw the worst thing you've ever seen in your life. And then you get to see people actually having an intelligent conversation about it, debating the morals of whether they should show it or not. Um, I don't think that validates the the cruelty in any way, but it was a good directive device to kind of break it up so you're not just looking at horror, awful, awful all the time. Yeah, it made it easier it to made, digest. And it made it more plot-driven. I think you could actually remake this movie in a very, very interesting way. If you concentrated on the actual lives of the indigenous people... Mm-hmm. If you cut out a lot of the gratuitous stuff and actually kind of made it a commentary of, you know, media and exploitation and made it into that moral value, I think this really could be an interesting film. Absolutely. And unfortunately, as much as I love Green Inferno, um, Eli Roth did not take any of those interesting um, concepts, any of those ideas, and put them in his movie. He just made a torture porn cannibal movie which is fine it's great but uh like kelsey said those are very interesting movies are very interesting concepts and i think this movie could be reworked or remade into something that could have something really important to say yeah but this guy did not do that and he's even stated you know of course all movies are going to be ripped apart and analyzed by fans and but this director has even said no i just wanted to make a gory cannibal film which, like, okay, so you have no reason, whatever, fuck you. Uh, right. The the intense realism of it, though, I think, is why we're all still talking about this movie. Absolutely. Oh, because yeah. people were absolutely convinced that this was real. Mm-hmm. The special effects were, obviously, there's no CGI or anything that mm-hmm. existed then. So, um, looking at it, you could watch this and think it was real. And the animal deaths are real. The animal deaths are real. And I think that real. leads it's... to the other effects looking Absolutely. even more real. Yeah, that's true. Because you're surrounded by all of this real horror that everything starts to just look that way. It reminds me very much of a movie series called Faces of Death. I oh, don't yeah. know if you are aware of that. I'm so not. I am kind of the older person in this room. I was actually alive when this movie was filmed. <laughs> um, but when I was junior high, high school era, there was this VHS collection of movies, a series, I believe there was at least four, called Faces of Death. If you talk to someone who's over the age of 40, 45 right now, and ask them, was Faces of Death real? They'll say yes. Wow. Because it was a mockumentary style that was actually, intertwined with clips of real accident footage from plane crashes, autopsies, and things like that. So it was extremely blurred. And as kids, when we were introduced to this, because we were children, not really supposed to be watching these movies, and you're renting them from, like, a family video store, because they didn't even have these things at Blockbuster. (laughs) So when you see footage of an autopsy, you see footage of a plane crash, and then you see footage of what they actually created, I was absolutely convinced that, like, the only things that were in those films were absolutely real deaths. Like I was watching a snuff film. A lot of it was fabricated. We know that now. But if you, especially if you talk to someone who is over the age of 45, doesn't watch a lot of horror movies that happened to see that when they were kids, they were like, no, that was absolutely real. Mm -hmm. And it is kind of, that's why those movies and this movie are brilliant in a way where it's like, it does make you suspend disbelief. It makes you believe that this is real. I think Blair Witch hinted on that as well, Mm -hmm. especially with people that don't watch a lot of horror movies you might actually watch it and think that it's real. And that's kind of what that director wanted to go for as well, to make it kind of seem, you know, there are no opening credits to that movie. There's no uh, diegetic, non-diegetic score. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Blair Witch, obviously. Um, and so much could have been done with this movie that just... It wasn't there yet. Like, yeah. it just wasn't there yet. Like, if we did it now, of course, people would hopefully be more respectful and really dig into the story 
the potential of what that story had. But, you know, in 1980, it was just definitely exploitive. Mm-hmm. And that's what they were going for. And, I mean, they nailed it. You yeah. can't say they didn't nail it. Absolutely. Is this uh, kind of around the scene where um, there's the adultery sacrifice thing? Um, yes. That kind of one is... of the most... Um, one of the most intense scenes. Hard, it was so hard to watch. Um, and honestly, like as far as non-CGI uh, special effects, that impaled body was extremely realistic. Yes, <sighs> absolutely. And I um, I did read how they did that. Apparently she, so on the pole for coming from the ground, uh, there was a bicycle seat on top of it so that she was like suspended on and sitting on. And then there was a block of wood attached to the other uh, pole that she had in her mouth. Um, and that actress also actually had to be pulled into court um, because they were convinced that part of the snuff film was very, I mean, because that makeup effect that they did on her was very, very realistic and visceral. Yeah. And the judge, whoever, was very convinced that that woman was dead. So they had to bring her into court, too, um, just for her to say, hey, I'm alive. This is how I did that. Yeah. You know, these are, this is the trick behind the magic. Yeah. Um, I would love to just... And, raise over the the mud sexual assault and scene, I'm totally I feel fine like with that one thing I wanted to say about it is you know that could be one of the, one thing I like about movies like this is when they take these real rituals of course I don't know if this is this very well could be they take these you know rituals from places that you know people like us would never really learn about know about and is so foreign to us and they show us these things through movies so that we can learn about them while we're being entertained. Um, but this, as we've stated multiple times in this podcast, this was not done tastefully. And I enjoy those things when they're done tastefully. I would love to learn about those kinds of things and get a little history um, and culture into the movies I watch without disrespecting those cultures. Because I am 100% certain that these cultures were not taken lightly or seriously or um, researched in any sort of way. (laughs) Yeah. And one movie that absolutely scared the hell out of me as a child, the serpent and the rainbow, which um, I have no idea if the things that they showed in that film were historically accurate, but I had absolutely no concept of voodoo culture, you know, and just seeing that and seeing something that was so outside of my scope, was super terrifying but also very very interesting made me want to learn more about that that's really crazy i've never seen that movie i haven't seen that either we're good we'll we'll schedule a future episode yes yeah and and bring me back because (laughs) i love that movie yeah to be continued on that one and uh, a future episode for sure Mm -hmm. um we one thing that i did like about the movie at least we get to see our, our crush naked he does get naked and wade into the water and he's um, having really. the time of his life. Yes. And he's kind and of then just he gets... showing them, like, hey, I am unarmed. I am peaceful. You know, I, I have am, a penis. I have, you know, I have, <laughs> I have no clothes. This is me completely bare. And yes, here is my penis. And yeah, then, I love and his then little right dad bod. That, oh, yeah, he's hot. And then right after <laughs> that, he finds all his friends' bones. I, yeah, it was really traumatizing. It went from... Happy, we're playing in the fucking mud, and then it's like, oh god! A dozen women like running to you, completely naked in the water, and you know, yanking on your ween. And then, like, and it's like all your friends' bones. Yeah, I did like the uh, when he used the his audio recorder, his tape recorder, to kind of impress the tribe because he wanted to. He saw the film canisters Mm -hmm. hanging in the tree, and he was like, "How do I get that?" And they were already not really super happy with him, so he just played his the song that he had recorded and the tribe members hearing themselves on the recording mm-hmm. just like dazzled them to the point where They're they like, made a, you, they made a good magic. trade. They made yeah. a great trade. For yeah. That. And he gets to like keep his little recording. Cause you see the guy dancing around with it. And like to them, that's, that's magic. That's you captured someone's voice in a box. That's Which, a magical thing. Yeah. And, and that brings capture up their soul is yes. what they were. He was saying they were afraid of. And uh, that brings up an interesting uh, line that comes up later in the movie is how would you describe what a movie is to them? Like a, a, a concept so foreign to them. How do you explain what a tape recorder is? How do you explain what movies are? What right. a documentary, you know, and it just that I really think that's like an interesting concept because 
Yeah, and that, I mean, the reason, the only reason that he was able to get those canisters is back is because they thought that he could break the spell because they think their souls are in there. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I, again, so many good things in this movie that could have been, could have been there. They weren't there. <laughs> yeah, so basically there was a point where, you know, we have these two, two violent tribes once they get past the other tribe um, that are mortal enemies, kill on sight, eat on sight. They're very violent from our understanding. And their shortened names are the tree people and the swamp people. And, you know, we kind of see a battle between the two. And that's when the swamp people retreat and the tree people are like, okay, we're gracious for you, but yeah. they didn't trust them until, you know, the tape recorder thing. So, and we find out later, of course, that uh, one of the main reasons that the tribes were so distrustful is because of what this film crew did. And of course, mm -hmm. um, our main boy, our professor, our baby is uh, <laughs> recovering this uh, footage without knowing what this crew did. So he doesn't know why these people hate them so much other than just, you know, they're white and they're foreign, you know, they're, they're not a part of the culture. He, um, he but had then to eat they, that insides though. Yeah, he, that he was had to disgusting. Eat um, but so he gets, <sighs> brave man. So he gets the, this brave. footage, and um, what is the professor's name? I'm so sorry. Um, Harold. Harold, yeah. Harold, so, yeah. yeah, we'll call him Monroe? Harold. Monroe? Yes, Harold Monroe. Harold Monroe. So uh, when Harold gets back with the canisters, he is shown a little bit of um, Alan's previous projects. And Alan was the head of the film crew that we've been talking about, of course. Um, and they show Harold all these awful images, and then as soon as it's over, Harold's like, oh my god, that was terrible. And the guy's like, oh, it was fake. And that's a, obviously a huge theme in this movie is that, like, Alan, who's this guy who did all these awful things that we're going to talk about, is known for faking his, you know, faking anything to get his shot. And that is, um, this is actually a theme we'll be bringing up a lot next week uh, because we are going to be covering Nope. And a huge theme in that movie is um Getting doing anything to get to exploit what you need to get famous to get it on camera. I have to film it. I have to. Doesn't matter. Just get the shot. Mm -hmm. And that's something that comes up a lot in Nope and is done a lot better. I love that movie. Excellent. I can't wait. I we're gonna go see that this week. So, yay! I have not seen that one yet, but there are several instances in this movie where people were like, "Stop filming! Don't do this." We and even the uh, they're trying to they're filming a terrible sexual assault and rape of a native woman, and the script girl is like, "We only have a couple canisters left. Why are you wasting the film? Why are you wasting the film?" Which there's this man that you just had willing sex with, and you are obviously in a relationship with, and your biggest complaint when he's raping someone is wasting film. Mm -hmm. And, and she did start beating the shit of, out of him, though. I mean, but yeah, and she, like she met a very untimely end, and I, I, like, she suffered a lot as well, but I'm also, that was one thing that I think I was most horrified at. Oh, me too. I wrote that down as I well. absolutely Cause it, couldn't Because I think her. it started with one of the other guys, and she was screaming about the film, and then she really didn't care much about the woman until Alan started, you know, doing, yeah. you know, whatever. Exactly. And... Of course, she was mad at Alan because that's her boyfriend. But she, yeah, obviously is not worried about this woman at all. Um, and just really in that moment proves herself to be just as bad as everyone else. Because you even see her in a few other scenes, like puking or kind of acting disgusted. And, honey, you don't... No. You proved yourself They to be. fucked in front of the tribe after he fucking that shot one of their an, members. Such an and burned scene. shit. Yeah. Why were they fucking in front of the tribe? Let's show them how we do it. But that was also, fucked up. I knew that, that they were the both pieces of shit you are in that moment. That's when I was like, she is just as heartless as he is. And I was hoping, that's gotta be you the know, dirtiest set of from a woman's goals. perspective, like, well, and that's wishing the thing, that she like, was better. That's the thing, the woman's perspective. Um, you have to take in things like internalized misogyny. Yeah. And we can have a whole discussion about being women... <laughs> horror fans and how that is very very hard sometimes because especially until recently but even not recently uh women are not necessarily treated very well in movies and it's just like 
is our sexual assault your entertainment? Yeah, and I mean, even a modern example of that is um, the newest Candyman was directed by a woman, and everyone still calls it Jordan Peele's Candyman, but Jordan Peele just helped produce it. He didn't direct it, he didn't write it, and it's just one of those things, of course they're going to call it Jordan Peele's because it was a woman director. Where, you know, you wouldn't say whoever the producer was of, you know, nope, you're not going to call it that guy's movie. You're going to call it Jordan Peele's nope. And that's just another internal internalized misogyny that a lot of people don't even realize until right. someone else brings it up. And mm-hmm. even, you know, talking about Faye, she really could have been our only other redeeming character. She really, they really could have made her a better character. There's a scene earlier in the movie where a spider lands on her and it must be very, very venomous. She blips the fuck out. Yeah. And, and Alan's laughing. Alan's laughing and saying, no, keep filming. No, don't don't hit it off. Keep filming. Get the shot. And everybody's laughing and getting the shot and she's screeching at the top of her lungs. And, and, and that could have been the moment that she, you know, turned and that could have been our other grounding character and our other character to be like, no, we want, we want her to win. We want her, yeah, like, we want her to stop whatever's happening, but no, that doesn't happen. She's just as bad as everyone else. You know, we did skip a character, though, that I actually did kind of like, Mr. Chaco. Oh, Mr. Chaco. Yes, I did write about I him. I thought he was witty. He did make me giggle a couple times in the movie. He was a smartass, and he was very Indiana Jones type, and... I actually, like, really liked him. Him and the professor. Yeah, I forgot about him. Those are the only two I liked. Everyone else? Except for maybe the guy in the end, but we'll talk about that later. I made the phone call. (laughs) Those were, like, the first characters you see in this movie, so it does kind of lull you into a sense of, like, oh, maybe this movie's going to be okay, because you see them trying, like, on this mission. You don't know anything bad has happened yet, and you just have no idea what's coming. And just, like, watching the footage, like... It was just insane. I mean, the woman, like, that was giving birth. There is a forced abortion scene. Ugh. And they, yeah. Let's let's glaze over that one, too. That one was tough. Yeah, a lot of these scenes we aren't going to describe in detail because it's not necessary. Um, We don't want to. And if you really, really would like to know the details of each of these scenes, I mean, go watch the movie. But for some people, it's too hard, and I don't feel like... Um, saying the words um, to describe these things, but that is a very, very hard scene to watch. Um, and that was when, um, I, oh yeah, I, I felt that they were like incredibly racist as well. Like they were calling, oh, they were absolutely. calling them the, the um, indigenous people monkeys and savages. And yes. No, this was Terribly insensitive yeah. to indigenous and, um, people. For those who haven't seen, um, after prof- the professor gets back um, to Italy or wherever he's from, um, with the film canisters, this these producers of this television show or this documentary place, they want to make a documentary and show on national television these film reels. Without having seen any of it, they just think, oh, this is going to be incredible, this is raw footage, this is going to show people, blah, blah, blah. And it's these out-of-touch executives that have no idea what's on these films that... Uh, they care no about idea, money. Have, yeah, exactly. They have no idea what's, what these tribes are about or anything Or like anything. That. They don't care about exploiting them. And they just want money out of it. Yeah. And it's, you know... Again, brings back that theme of, well, who's civilized and who isn't? Because you guys are also acting like fucking idiots. You don't care about anything in these tribes. You don't care how they're portrayed. You don't care who's going to be traumatized by this, who's going to see it, who... You don't know anything that... Any of the repercussions that are going to happen from this, you just want the money from it. And they don't care about the well-being of these tribes. They don't care if these people die. That's what makes me question, who hurt this director and why do you hate everybody? Why is every character, except for Hadi Mikadhat... A fucking douche. <laughs> and Mr. Chaco. suck? And, yeah. But I mean, even him, he's, you know, blowing drugs in that guy's face. He's got him on a leash. He's he's not the greatest. But I mean, he also he's is not just, the worst. He's not, he's at the mercy of these tribes. He's, because when they watch that scene, uh, Harold does want to go help the woman. Yeah. But you, you can't. I you mean, can't. You're just in that situation. You're at their mercy, 100%. Yeah, yeah and then, um, so we start watching a little bit more of the actual footage from the film crew that Alan and the rest of the film crew shot. 
And those are obviously the hard scenes to watch. Yeah, and then... Um, you want to talk about the Yakuma um, scene? So they ushered them into the hut and set it on fire. Yes, yes. And Caitlin told me, hi, Caitlin, shout out, pussy fur, love you. Love you, puss. <laughs> um, that there, people were like, there were actually people in there. And they didn't tell them, that they, like, and they set it on fire. Like, people were actually in there while it was burning. So, yeah, it, it really could have hurt a lot of the actual natives that were in there. And I didn't in, do the research, but it probably did. It did. Yeah. Uh, I did research that. Um, in film, uh, Alan and the crew are doing it to make it look like the two tribes are warring against each other. So it looks, he, he wants to make it look like the tree people did this. And it... It's really, it's, I mean, it's awful to watch. Of course, this is when the little baby pig gets shot, which is also really bad. Ugh. And this um, kind of, this explains what happens at the beginning when that guy is trying to portray to Harold, um, you know, this, he burned this thing to the ground. He shot our pig. He, you know, he, and that's, that was food for the tribe. They came in here, they barged in, filmed us, murdered a bunch of our people. Sexually assaulted. Raped our women. Yeah. And... You know, so of course now every white man that comes in there, they're going to try to murder and hate. Yeah. Because that's the only associ- white association they white have people they've seen. Yeah. Alan and the rest of them suck so hard. So I love when uh, Jack got, did Jack get shot and they like left him behind or something or what so happened that's, there? That's pretty, so, that's a little bit later. Yeah. Um, the guide got bit by a snake and they cut his leg off to try oh, yeah, to yeah, save yeah. him. And then like that Which, didn't work. So yeah. Mr. Chaco said that was as good a man. He knew the jungle as well as he did. The no- yeah. The, that's never going to work. I don't know why people in movies well, I mean, try that. Blood moves so fast. I know. But like, <laughs> honestly, if like I got bit by a venomous snake right now and knew that I was going to die like within 10 minutes, I'd be like, cut my leg off. <laughs> like, do it. Like, like At least try. 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 <laughs> Suck it out. I know you could. I have a snake here, but she's not venomous and she's very, very sweet. So, um, but yeah, so Alan, or not Alan, I'm sorry, Harold watches the rest of these tapes because these executives are like, we don't care what's on them. They can't be that bad. We want to show them on TV. And Alan's like, you haven't seen what your editors couldn't even put together. Yeah, they couldn't stomach it. Yeah, because they couldn't stomach how disgusting it was. They're just, I mean, these executives are just trying to sensationalize these tribes. And, you know, I really think part of it is almost making themselves feel better. Like, look how civilized we are. We have modern society. We don't eat people. We just exploit people and make money off of their trauma and death. It's, it's a direct correlation from the documentary filmmakers to the TV studio like producers. Mm-hmm. You're doing the same thing. However you dress it up, however you edit it, you're still doing the same thing. And not having any uh, qualms or concerns about how that footage was found, made, or received. You just know that you're going to make money from it. They said many times uh, during the documentary film reels, this is going to make us rich. This is going to make us famous. Yeah, at one point they say this is going to get us an Oscar. This is going to get us an Oscar for, for what? what? I don't know. Oscar but for yeah. what? And that's when they see the impaled woman. Yeah. Because they... Um, they assault one of the tribe's women um, and send her back home because virginity is so um, valued in these in these tribes, these cultures, that because she was assaulted, she is, you know, she's broken. She's wrecked now. And so they do this awful thing and murder her. And Alan and them are so excited. They literally have to tell Alan to stop smiling. And a, a, it's disgusting. It is. I mean, props to the actors, honestly. Because I hated them. Because I hate them. Alan, I could punch yeah. that actor in the face. And I know he's just acting. They were very convincing. It was very convincing. Oh, I see why people at the time thought this was real. Like, I can say that over and over again because I hate him. Yeah. I even think, like, at the end when all this terrible stuff is happening, and I will never condone those kinds of things, but I'm thinking, I don't feel bad for these fucking people. You get what yeah. you deserve, motherfucker. I think it brings up a bigger conversation, too, which this might be a little bit of a tangent, but um, there's going to be a lot of people probably listening to this podcast right now, listening to three women talk about these subjects, 
And they're going to think, it's a horror movie. What did you expect? Get over it. Whatever. I think that we can hold it to a standard. Yeah. Like we can, just because I love horror, I've watched tons and tons of things that are disgusting. Mm -hmm. It's all kind of exploitive in a certain way, but I think there can be a line. Absolutely. I, like I stated earlier, I've watched some, um, you know, rape revenge movies. I've seen Last House on the Left and the remake. I've seen the first two, I Spit on Your Grave. And, you know, some of it is very gratuitous. And I and I, I understand the reason for all of these movies. And I, I don't think that any of them should be... I don't believe in banning any of these and saying, oh, they should never be watched by anyone. But there you have to talk about it and you have to be aware and conscious of those things. Because if you're not, they won't stop happening. Because, yeah, we can say now, like, oh, this kind of stuff would never happen. And they would take it a lot more seriously. And, oh, it's just a movie. But if you don't talk about it, then there's no point in making the movie. Because the movie is meant to start the conversation. Right. And if you can't have the conversation, there's no reason to make the art. Because the art, and it is art. It, you know, it, it, film is a form of art. And I love cinema. I am such a huge movie nerd. But... If you're not trying to say anything with it, or if you refuse to have the conversation about it because you think it doesn't matter, then the art doesn't matter. Yeah, it's like, what what point are you making? Are you? It's shock value. It's it's grotesque for the sake of being grotesque. Like, which is fine, but like then still let us have our discussion because I yeah, I agree. Absolutely. I know there are going to be those yep. people that think that, but and I don't. I'm not even opposed to the grotesque, but it, when it translates into real life, it's like you can make that movie and not have animals die. Exactly. You can make that movie and ex- not exploit a native people. Because, you can like you can make that movie and not abuse your actors. Absolutely. Yeah. Because some of that those effects on the real like the woman who gets impaled, the effects on that are incredibly good. And as we stated there I, I don't know if we stated, I believe you said earlier, there's no CG. These are all practical yeah. effects. And practical effects that hold up are amazing. Oh, the best. I love watching older films with just solid practical effects. Oh yeah. yeah. And that scene of impalement looked fucking great it like, was as far as yeah as far as like realism goes so you could have done that same thing with the animals and have that same effect and not actually butchered a i don't know 100 year old turtle yeah you know this poor baby monkey Ugh. this poor baby pig and the sna- they cut a snake they in cut half a snake yes or it's like at least Pay your damn actors. Right. And I mean, I... But, like, like ter- abusive earlier. directors goes back... Uh, oh, like, yeah. We you, talked about that last yeah, week. Yeah. Stanley so, Cooper. like... Okay, exactly. So, like, you can still make art and not abuse people. Exactly. And... And you can still love the art and appreciate the art, even if the person who made it is not a great person. I'm never going to knock anyone who says they love this movie. If it's your favorite movie, that is great. I, like, it's totally fine. It's a little weird. It's a little weird. It would honestly be a little weird if somebody said this was I don't condone movie. the, but I don't you, condone anybody that But if you love those movie. movies that are made by terrible people, that's fine. You are allowed to separate the art from the artist to an extent. You're allowed to love Rosemary's Baby and still know exactly. that Polanski is a piece of shit. But you have to be able to admit those things and recognize those things while still appreciating the artwork. Because you're allowed to. You don't have to hate you. Nobody can say Rosemary's Baby is a bad movie, because it's not. It's not. But it's nobody can movie. say Robin Polanski isn't an absolute piece of shit. Exactly. Or um, our namesake, our Jeepers namesake. Creepers. Exactly. I mean, oh, the God. for that yeah. is an absolute Jeez. garbage trash can, but we still absolutely love the movie. But and we I, do not condone him. And I won't give him any money. Yeah. You can give us money. Yeah. <laughs> I would say if I was on a date and someone said that Cannibal Holocaust was their favorite movie, that would, would be the biggest red flag I've ever seen. I would in go my to the life. bathroom and, and crawl out the window. I would. I would you, go. I would like I would go crawl the behind the bar and be I like, would call an Uber. Let me out the back I would door. crawl out a window and never be Block seen again. Block their number. Change my name. <laughs> change my identity. That's when you send your friend your code word so she can call you with an emergency <laughs> yes. and get you the fuck out of that. No, date. I don't even. I don't, I don't even need feel it. safe I'll doing that. I'm just gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna run, okay? No, I'm just, I'm just gonna be like, I have to shit. And like, <laughs> I think it'll work. I'll just, I'll, oh my god, like, the 
the, I would even um, just like drop my napkin and crawl under the table and just like make an escape. I wouldn't even say that. I was like, gotta go. Okay. Just stand so. up with we gotta start filming yep. these things. Yes, <laughs> um, so yeah, that was uh, a very interesting tangent. Spit your like, water out. Yes, a little bit. Just a little. That made me laugh pretty hard. Um, so yeah, at some point, uh, while they're watching these reels, meeting Harold and the other executives, uh, oh. we get to what I guess is the climax of the film, um, where the film crew that we've been following finally starts getting their just desserts. Um, so the first one, I think Jack gets speared first and they videotape it. They, I mean, they of course get the shot of the spear in him and they immediately are just like gone dip. I'm done. And I mean, immediately someone is like, Alan, he's dead. Let's go. And Alan's like, I gotta get the shot, but okay. And then they just keep filming. Think of the film. Think of the film. Like, he just kept saying that. I was yeah. like... And he, like, continues <sighs> to film these torture scenes. Like, eventually Faye gets taken and unfortunately assaulted. And... He just stands there and watches he and just, films And, it. like, first of all, whatever. We know you're a piece of shit. But, like, you don't have any kind of self-preservation. You know you're gonna get caught. You don't think they're gonna well, immediately come after you? Run! I think, like, he's probably gotten to a point where he can't run away. He probably doesn't know where he is. The terrain is insane. They're gonna catch him. But their guy did So die. the only thing he can do is stand there, like, and film. But it is a little unrealistic to think that they're gonna let one person stand there and film everything. Right. And not immediately attack them. Yeah, but because, of course it is in yeah. his personality to keep Oh, the he would keep on. going. He's not keep the, he's Absolutely. Not off. He's a narcissist. Even for when he's running for he's the last one left. And one thing that I hate the most is that he gets the easiest death. Alan is one of the worst people in the entire group and I mean he basically just gets knocked down and we see his dead face, but I mean we see a lot of these other people get tortured. Yeah. And, no, I mean, I guess I, my uh, appetite for torture was pretty full at that point, but, like, <laughs> yeah. he, right. he deserved something terrible. Yeah. I mean, we could maybe think that, like, that face at the end, which is on the cover, if you search this movie a lot, is his death face. That, yeah. Is yeah. what is kind of the the image that is yeah. advertised with the film. Um, maybe he wasn't quite dead yet. I don't know. Maybe yeah. he had other things to come. There was an unknown behind that. Who knows? All you know is they're they're done for, which uh, makes sense. Uh, don't go into the Amazon um, and piss off a bunch of tribes people. And when the when it finally ends, I love how like the the screening room is completely silent, and then yeah. like for it was like palpable. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I, like, so held my breath. Because as soon as the reel ends, where you see all this terrible stuff happen to the entire crew, they die. Alan's face is the last shot, and then it goes back to the screening room. And they're all, Harold's the only one who has seen it before, and he told them, you have to watch this before you put it on. And he sat these people down, and they fucking watched it. That guy made that phone call. Yes, I love this guy. <laughs> like, everybody walked out of the room. This guy walked over to the phone and said, I want this material burned. All of it. And I said, same. <laughs> oh, I did too. <laughs> yeah, but you mentioned the soundtrack before, and I think this movie does. If you're going to give it credit, give it credit for the practical effects. Give it credit for the pacing. Like, it was an... It moved along very, very well. It was very interesting the way that they cut back and forth. It was, I will also give it credit for the soundtrack and the use of silence. Yes. So when the music and the things and the background noises were there and they were valid, it was impactful. But then also the silence was impactful. And like, I think it made a nice cohesive flow throughout the film yeah i uh, i wanted to comment on that too i really do like the back and forth um because you you feel like you're going on the journey with harold and the others because they watch one of the reels and you watch it with them and then you know harold shows the executives the rest of the reels and we watch it at the same time they do so we're experiencing it with them and i mean this director he could be an amazing director you he know what could. i mean he could make some great yeah. stuff if he wasn't a giant piece of shit and didn't just want to make 
things for shock value because, uh, you know, we've been talking about this for a while and there's so much more to that we could be dissecting. If you can make a movie that can be analyzed like that, then that's awesome. But don't then come and, and say, oh, I just wanted to make, a, you know, a gory horror film about cannibals. And I also didn't care about my actors or anything. So, like, he just fell ass backwards into a really interesting potential of a great story and had a really great practical effects person. And, you know, that made this film more than it should have been. Yes. And then it just happened to fall in the hands of just just a terrible, terrible person. But that does happen sometimes, unfortunately. Um as we said before, I mean, this is just iconic. This made a huge splash. It is still one of the most controversial films of all time. It is still banned in a lot of places. The only reason it's on Amazon is because Shudder has it. Um, because Shudder is, you know, a great horror streaming service. You know, they want to be able to have those things. But it is still banned in a lot of places, and I get it. I mean, <laughs> the interesting easy. thing is, like, I watched this on Canopy, which I don't know if anyone has that app. I, I think I do. Canopy that starts with a K, K, and it's actually linked to your public library card. Oh, yes, oh. I did. I signed up with that. So you sign up using your library card, and the fact that this movie was, like, archived in a... But, I mean, yeah. it shows that, there, that it had some kind of historical importance, because, yeah. like, this is actually in a library catalog yeah, yeah. That, that's crazy so it was oh, i thought it was very interesting that i found it there yeah i mean i have to give this movie a special shout out because like kelsey i and casey have both said i love the found footage genre yes i mean we wouldn't have we wouldn't have blair witch oh. we wouldn't have paranormal activity let's, we wouldn't have one of my favorites let's vhs name, yes let's name our yeah. favorites <laughs> name our favorites so vhs is wonderful oh, i yes. loved the fourth Par- kind no matter how cheesy it was the fourth kind was chilling mm-hmm. paranormal activity i watch it on fast forward honestly like i will sit there and fast forward through the really dead parts yeah. and then when something happens i'll like hit play <laughs> I, but I i've like seen all of those too. stupid ass yes, movies me too. i've watched all marked of them marked ones i loved mark ones yes. i love the ones about the little kids i love the fourth one with little robbie i, I love I hell really... house llc yes hell house llc was great it was um, so the house is october bill the, the house is october bill which i, I would just, love to do that yes. movie i stumbled across that and absolutely enjoyed it and there are so many sequels but i think i've only seen the first one and i loved it I've the second one, the one is actually pretty good too but they're also when i was researching this film they were making a lot of comparisons to creep I like Creep, too. I haven't seen that yet. I've been oh, wanting to see that. Watch Creep. So we have bad. to do Creep. Creep yes. is that wonderful. Movie. Yeah. I love... Oh, my God. That movie is... Oh, and then um, As movies. Above, So Below. I always forget that that's found footage because it's shot so well. I love that fucking movie. It scared mm. the holy bejesus out of me. Yeah. I don't like tight spaces and that's why it scared me i mean that it's like the the descent descent, yeah Uh, movies underground the descent is one of my favorite movies it's so scary almost a perfect it is so oh another thing there was a film made about it uh but the movie was terrible but i read the book and it reminded me a lot of this movie because Mm -hmm. it was american travelers in a jungle region and but it was invasive plants that were taking mm. over their body sorry i should have looked this up oh yeah the hap no it's not it was, happening because that's where the plants no, like are putting um, hilariously the happening the, is hysterical <laughs> mark Wahlberg as a professor yeah right it's so national right yeah oh my god oh my god oh i'm gonna find it the hold plants, on one second the plants are coming for us <laughs> so funny are there any other? And honestly, I do not recommend this movie, but the book was great. The Ruins. So I the author's name is Scott Smith. Okay. And I think they made a movie about it. Um, and I believe I watched it at one point, but I was like, this movie is terrible. But reading the book, The Ruins, it was just one of those things where it's just like, ooh, you're reading it and you just literally get chills. Oh my god. And gosh. it's just creepy, creepy, creepy. And the reason I found this book is I follow Stephen King online and he like on Twitter and he always recommends like new authors. And this, I think this book was written many, many years ago. 
I read it a long time ago, but he was like, Stephen King posted on Twitter, this book scared the crap out of me. And if some <laughs> Stephen King says that, I was like, immediately I'm finding this book. Yeah. And it was wonderful. Casey is yeah. a huge, huge Stephen, Stephen King, King fan. fan. Yeah. I've got, I mean, I've got two full shelves up there of his books. I've got four tattoos. I very much love Stephen King. Um, and I do love that he really, he'll shout out the new authors. He He's really, so good about that. Yeah, He's he so is. good about like, um, just encouraging new art, whether it's like mm-hmm. music or books or anything. And he'll promote new movies just because yeah. and he'll say, I went and saw this and it scared the poop out of me. And I'm like, man, I want to scare Stephen King. Yeah. That's my goal in life. <laughs> um, uh, any final thoughts about the film? I know we've discussed a lot. It's, um, if I'm being honest, I probably will never watch it in full unless I have to. I don't think I want to watch I don't think I need to watch it again. No. And honestly, anyone listening to this, if you haven't seen it, you probably don't need to watch it either. Right. I you, think we can all agree on we that. We can respect it for for what it was and for its time and for all of the things that came after it. But I don't know if you really need to watch it. Yes. And I think if you just listen to us, we've explained a lot of the important things about it. And you can learn that. And uh, I mean, unless you really, really want to. But if you're on the fence about it, just don't. Honestly, it's not worth it. Go watch The Green Inferno. And also, (laughs) ladies, gentlemen, if you're on a date. Oh, they's thems. All my friends, all my non-binary, trans all my friends in all communities if you're on a date and they say that this is their favorite movie run like the motherfucking wind bitch you better start farting you better say you have ibs you better say that you got a boyfriend at home or something you gotta get the fuck out of there run i showed my lovely lovely boyfriend jeff this movie he was with me when i had to watch it and um I've been trying to get him more into the horror genre. He's not a huge movie person. This but is a terrible way to do that. Shut up. But <laughs> it is. He, I've shown him a lot of really good movies. And every time we watch something, you know, he'll make his little jokes. But at the end, he always lets me talk about it. And he's always like, yeah, I liked that. And, you know, he always gives everything a chance. But at the end of this, he was like, I could have gone my whole damn life without seeing that. And yeah. I felt bad that he had to be here when I watched it because it's awful. And now I just want to show him really good movies and be like, that's not... Don't judge me. Yeah, show <laughs> Evil Dead too, and be like, "See, this is funny." Fun. <laughs> I, I told, chainsaw. Oh, isn't yeah. that cute? <laughs> I told a couple of friends that I was going to be on a podcast. I've never been on a podcast before, and I was excited about it. And they're like, "What's it about?" I said, "Horror movies." And they said, "What movie?" And I said, "Cannibal Holocaust." And they're like, "Oh God!" That was the response. <laughs> I think at least three different people were like, "Oh God, why?" Yeah, we'll have to have you on for a much more fun episode. <laughs> Even though this topic has not been fun, I've had a great time. Oh, absolutely. absolutely, and thank you for being our first guest. Yes, this has I been feel so, so special. Awesome. Yes. I love it. We thank have you. Had so much fun. Um, and we're all dressed the part. Yes, okay. yes, you can't see us, part. but we'll we'll take it. We'll make sure to take a picture and post us all. But yes. Casey's um, got her Exorcist shirt on. I yes. have my Texas Chainsaw Massacre free hug shirt on. I love that, and I have my Halloween Queen shirt on. And I spent so much money on Halloween stuff today. Yay! I'll probably uh, send that to Casey to post on Twitter because I'm old and don't know how to switch between accounts. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> like we mentioned earlier, Jess she's and I are the, she's the brains, and I'm the boobs. Is what she's trying to say nicely. <laughs> yes. <the> week- <laughs> That we've established that, Jess. Uh, so, uh, as we said uh, later this week on Thursday, we're going to be doing a shoot with our friend Katie, amazing photographer. Uh, so, we'll be having some really awesome, spooky photos to post. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter, Deeper's Creepers, at Deeper's Creepers. Um, we are going to go be seeing uh, Nope this weekend. So, we are going to be covering that next week. Please go see that. Please support films. Please go see it in theaters because it is so worth it. Jordan Peele is amazing. I. The fact that he's come out with three original blockbusters in such a short amount of time is incredible. I think this movie is one of the most original pieces of art that I've seen in a, such a long time. I I'm think so it's excited. So much fun. It is a blast to watch. Please go see it and then look out for our podcast next week on it. Um, and then please just send us any uh, comments, questions, concerns, and requests to deeperscreeperspod at gmail.com. We would love to get some more emails because yes. we got some from um, my friend Jenny 
and her gal, Linda. Love you guys. Shout out to the pups. Yes, the sweetest email. We loved getting that, so please Send keep more. doing We that. love that. Um, and awesome. thanks again, Kelsey, yeah, for being Yeah, thank you so much. Guest. Thank you for having me, and I will come back anytime you want me to. Yay! Yes, we will be looking for a more fun movie to do that with. But other stay than spooky, that, yeah, stay spooky, bitches. Stay spooky. We love you. Did you get those eyes?